Wow, you want to talk about unfair, try following that guy. <laughs> Cody, holy moly, man. We just went somewhere. Do y'all go somewhere too? Hold on, I got to get back. Wow, wow, that was just amazing. Well, with that, uh, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. Whew. Okay, so the, the word that comes to mind during this season uh, that I've been reflecting on more and more is this concept in this word called anticipate. And uh, while your Bibles are open, let's, let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. It is a, a great passage of anticipation. The word itself, it means to greatly look forward to something, to hope for, to wait for it expectantly. You know, I can see it in the eyes of my boys as they anticipate Christmas. It is so much fun to be a parent of young children during the season of Christmas. I think some of you can reflect back on those days, or some of you are currently living in those days, or maybe in the future we'll experience it, but they have such a joy and such a pure excitement. They're like, how many days till Christmas, Daddy? And uh, that started in June, so <laughs> now we're, we're at eight days and counting, which is uh, a joy because they know that in eight days they're going to be able to enjoy the presents they've been anticipating. I think some of us right now are anticipating much-needed rest and vacation. Isn't that the best? Just to take a breath. Some of us are anticipating time with our family. Uh, I think this is a great season. It does. It brings families together, and I love these times of year. I think we also have the anticipation of seeing our loved ones open that special gift. You know, we went and we selected it, and we've been thinking about them, and it's almost more exciting to see them open it, you know, and see the joy on their face and them tear into it and go, oh, I'm going to quickly return this. No, I mean, to see them like really enjoy it. It's a great anticipation, isn't it? I think there is an anticipation of the new year. I mean, every year we have this hope that the new year will start fresh and anew. We are, I can tell you now, not eagerly anticipating the credit card statements of the new year or stepping on the scale at the beginning of the new year after enjoying all of the delicious desserts of the holidays. I just want to tell you right now, this is not a word from the Lord, this is a word from Chris, but calories do not count at all during the holidays. Amen? That was not a very rejoicing amen. Come on, I just told you calories don't count. All right, well that's so next year, of course. Uh, but really inherent to this season of anticipating, of wondering and watching is, is what we call in the church Advent. It's a, a season of remembering the arrival of the most significant gift ever given, unwrapped from the virgin womb of Mary. A gift that the ancients for literally millennia, they wondered about and they, they waited for and they watched for as they, they uncovered divine clues that were revealed through divine revelation. It's the righteous who scoured prophecy, poetry, and song in anticipation for his day to dawn. I mean, they were looking for, they were waiting, they were watching. And that beginning of watching, it well, it begins at the beginning. In this utopic setting, this scene called Eden, where a choice and a, a devastatingly real decision left us separated. Covered up, hiding, not only from one another, but from God. Fallen and lost, and, and even cursed. But in that, even in that setting of being cursed comes a promise that God spoke to the serpent of one who would come, who would wreck shop on that serpent. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God speaking, I will put enmity between you and the woman, that is, I'll put hostility, and between your offspring and her offspring, plural, singular, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Bruising of the serpent's head a death blow, the striking of the heel a flesh wound. There was one who was going to come who was going to render victory and defeat over the serpent. The question is, who is that child? Genesis chapter 4, the very first recorded birth in all of the scriptures was hope. In fact, in the womb of Eve, there was great anticipation that maybe this was the offspring that was promised. Look at chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 1. It says, now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man. I've prevailed with the help of the Lord. Not only victory over birth pangs, but thinking that this is the child who is going to render the death blow. How wrong she was. For he would render a death blow, not to the serpent, but to his brother Abel. At that moment, two streams of humanity forming from the headwaters of humanity began to flow in two different directions. You have the flow of the rebellious and the rejecting, and then you have the flow of the righteous remnant. And we see this righteous remnant at the end of chapter 4 of Genesis. The text says that Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed. The name Seth meaning appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Verse 26, to Seth also a son was born. He called his name Enosh. And at that time, at that moment, flowing in that river of the remnant, People began to call on the name of the Lord. And so the, the narrative of the remnant, the wandering and the wondering and the waiting and the watching from Adam to Seth to Enosh to Enoch and then to Noah, all anticipating a child to be born. In fact, Lamech, all the way back in Genesis 5 a passage that we often read very quickly over, verses 28 through 29. Lamech speaking over his son who was born. Maybe this is the offspring. Maybe this is him. He declares this, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused uh, by the ground that the Lord has cursed. He will comfort us. He will give us relief. He will give us rest. The irony of that statement. Because the text also tells us that evil was on the earth, that every thought and every meditation of man's heart was utter wickedness all the time, and that yes, Noah would be the first recorded savior figure of the scripture, but he isn't the seed that was spoken of. In fact, we see Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his three sons and their wives, enter into the ark, cataclysmic worldwide judgment. All of humanity winnowed down to eight. And again, from that eight comes two rivers. The river of the rejecting and the river of the righteous remnant. All of humanity flowing from those eight people. And in that river, God calls, selects, chooses one named Abraham. And from Abraham comes Isaac. And from Isaac comes Jacob. And from Jacob, the 12 tribes. And from them, a nation is born. 
a great nation. A nation who was chosen not because of its numerical greatness. A nation chosen not because of her inerrant righteousness, but chosen sovereignly by God to be his people, to literally be the conduit of blessing to the world. God preserved Israel and delivered her. To Israel were appointed kings, and to kings were sent prophets. And the word of revelation was given that there was one who was to come still. One who would fulfill all promises. And so the the righteous, they wondered, and they wandered, and they waited, and they watched. From the nation of Israel would come a prophet and deliverer greater than Moses. One who would be like but greater than the King David. One who would be greater than the sacrifice of blood of bulls and goats and sheep. A deliverer. A deliverer who would restore what was lost at Eden, who would reestablish the righteousness of Israel, and who would swing wide the gate of salvation to the Gentiles. One who would preach good news to the poor and offer healing to the sick. One who would bring near those who were far off. One who would come gentle like a lamb, later to be led to slaughter, who through conquest of death would return like the lion of the tribe of Judah. He would sprout up like a root. He would rise like the morning star. He would give life to dry bones. And he would establish the theocratic righteous rule of God on planet Earth. This offspring, this child, the one the ancients anticipated, the one they watched for and wondered about and waited for, though, would come in such a unique and striking and impossible way. So that all of human history would be forever marked, literally divided by his arrival. Rising up like a billboard, stretching along the highway of humanity, declaring, all you who seek life, exit the highway now. Here he is. We see this statement, this declaration of this child. More revelation, Isaiah chapter 7, speaking to a wicked king by the name of Ahaz. See, God had a plan for his people, Israel, a plan for us as Gentiles, and it came through this people called Israel. And he was speaking to them. He said, even in your wickedness, I'll give you a sign. Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Here's the billboard throughout all of human history. If you're looking for life, go looking for this guy. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Why is that impossible? (laughs) She's a virgin. Y'all get a gold star. Right on. Conceive and bear a son. Can you all think, throughout all of human history, can you think, is there any example, can you, one example, of a virgin who conceived and gave birth to a son? Mm-hmm. And shall call his name Emmanuel, literally God with us, God in the flesh. We get more information a little later, a couple chapters later, in Isaiah chapter 9. Again, it is a child who is going to be born. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is this guy? Of his increase, of his government, and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Who is this one who is to come, who is to be Savior and Messiah and Lord? And in this passage, we see the paradox. Because as a church, yeah. Because as a church, amen. You can do that anytime you like. So as a church, we look back, right? 
we look back on this first arrival, this first advent, but in here we also see there's some future ministry. We're waiting for his return, his second advent, where he will establish his throne on earth. And we as a church, we look back, and we as a church, we look forward. In fact, we get a little bit more information about this child who is to be born. He's supposed to come and be born. And this little know-nothing town, this little village, once the great city of David, by this point, Micah chapter 5, impossible. How is it possible that the Messiah would come from this place? But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Not just Israel earth, whose origins are from of old. How can a child be from of old and from ancient of times, the ancient of days, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega? There's going to be a child born who will crush Satan's head, who will bring righteousness, who will be Savior, Deliverer, and Messiah to Israel and to the Gentiles walking and the divine anointing of prophet, priest, king, and sacrifice. He will be the Emmanuel God with us who will be born of a virgin from the line and lineage of David, one who was to be born in Bethlehem. What is his name? What is his name? The one who is to be born, what is his name? Who is the one we look back on? Who is the one we anticipate? And so we as the righteous remnant, we look back on his arrival. And we as the righteous remnant look forward to his arrival. And we find our place now in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where we'll pick up next week. This is the moment where divine prophecy meets human history. The billboard rises. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel breaking into time and space to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Your alarm should be going off. Ding, 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 ding. The virgin's name was Mary. You'd be reading this and going, I wonder if she's the one. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And interestingly enough, the Lord will soon be in her womb. We'll look at that next week. But in this season of anticipation of Advent, of arrival, we look back, right? Like we're looking back at this moment. And sometimes we're asking ourselves, just as, as we heard in that wonderful, wonderful piece of poetry and spoken word, like, what does this mean to us today? Like we're looking back on this event and then we're looking forward to that event. So we're looking back at that day and this day. Where does, that, where does that leave us? In the middle, right? Asking ourselves, well, what about today? I mean, that day was awesome. And that day is beyond comprehension. But, but what about today? And I want to encourage you with this thought. And I hope this is an encouragement to you today. That you... That we can anticipate Jesus today. Not only that day and that day, but this day. He's the God of today. Like, anticipate Jesus in your marriage. Anticipate him showing up. Anticipate him in your parenting and your grandparenting. Anticipate him in your adulting. It's hard. My kids look at me, they're like, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I can eat whatever I want. I'm like, that's the only perk, dude. And then, 
You start lamenting that you eat everything you want. Anticipate Jesus showing up in your finances. Anticipate him showing up in your, your relationships and your friendships. He isn't just the God of that day and that day. He's the God of this day. This is the day the Lord has made. Anticipate him. He is here. Anticipate him here in this church. Not only what he has done, but what he continues to do and what he will do. Anticipate the movement of the Holy Spirit that he would move in such a way that God would take a people like us and will lavish us with love and allow us to be conduits of love and blessing to the world. Anticipate God moving. Because family, he is moving. He is with us. Anticipate him every time you open this scripture that he is going to speak to you. Anticipate every time you close your eyes and you pray, not only is he hearing, not only is he interceding, but he is with you. Anticipate him in every fiber of your being, in every moment of your existence. I pray that is an encouraging thought to you. Next week, we will come back together. We have two Christmas Eve services in the evening, so please don't come in the morning or you'll be in the parking lot by yourself and everyone else who forgets that we only have services at night. 4 and 6 p.m. We're going to meet at 4 and 6, identical services, so go ahead and pick one of those services. We decided to split it into two so there'll be a little bit more room for us. It gets a little cramped around here during Christmas Eve. And so please choose one of those services. Invite your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Invite them. Anticipate Jesus in that conversation. Anticipate what God may do in and through that invitation, in and through their lives, not just for them, but like think generationally. The trajectory of their life may be radically changed forever. And that one invitation to a Christmas Eve service, invite And then we're going to come together to celebrate, to anticipate, to rejoice together. And so in that, breathe deep this season. Slow down. Set aside some Jesus moments. Amen, students? Some Jesus moments. Let it be filled with wonder and waiting and watching and enjoying. He has come. He is going to return. And he is here right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our living God. Not only were you born, you came, you, you suffered, you died for our sins. You were buried, you have risen. We worship you as our risen Savior. We turn to you, we trust in you, we walk by faith in you, we cling to you. You are our breath, just as you breathe the breath of life into the very first man and woman. You breathe in us your life. Holy Spirit, fill us. Pour out your love on us. We pray that it would start at our toes all the way up to the roof, that we'd literally be swimming in your love. If you are here today and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, understand there is a gift that is being extended to you of life, real life. Not counterfeit life, abundant life. 
Jesus speaking, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and you will find rest, rest for your souls. The Bible declares that Jesus Christ has died for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead. And the Bible declares if we believe and trust in him, that he died for our sins individually, that he was buried, he's risen, and we call out to him, all who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if that is you, you want to be saved today. In the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. I believe that you died for me. I believe you were buried and I believe you raised. Please, Jesus, save my life. That is your heart's prayer today. The Bible declares that you have just passed from death to life. You are now a son or daughter of God. The Holy Spirit has baptized you and filled you. You are now in the river of the remnant of the righteous. Swim well. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We adore you. We are in awe of you. In your name we pray. Amen.